is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Shakespeare said that the world is a stage and we are all actors. That's one analogy for life. The Bible has another one, and uh, Paul is especially fond of the analogy of a race. So we could say that life is a race, and there are a number of tracks that we can be on. We can be on the right track, and we can be on many of the wrong tracks. There is one right track. Jesus said he is the way, and that is the right track. And there are many other wrong tracks, and they are going the wrong way to the wrong destination, to a rather nasty destination, the lake of fire. But Jesus is the way to eternal life. I want us to look at the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians this morning. And in the race of life, the important thing is our state of mind. I have never, ever been any good at running. I'm far too heavy now to be any good and I never was any good at school (coughs) long distance running was a bit better because I had stamina but I didn't have speed but it's stamina that counts in the race of life and in the book of Philippians there are seven states of mind that will help us in this race. In chapter 1, Paul talks about a steadfast mind. In verse 27, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul is passionate about the gospel. And we should be too. So if you'd like to read Philippians chapter 1 soon, You will see Paul's passion for the gospel and how passionate we should be too. In chapter 2, in verse 2, he talks about a unified mind. And by the way, this mind is a collective mind. He's talking to the Philippian Christians and he's saying, you should have a mind like this. A steadfast mind, a unified mind. Thinking the same things together. In verse 5 he talks about a humble mind. Think as Jesus did. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. And being found in fashion as a servant. Having the form of man. He humbled himself again. To the death of the cross. Paul says, have that same mindset. Then in chapter 3, which is what I'm going to be concentrating on, 
And verse 15, he talks about a mature mind. And he says, think as I do. In chapter 4 and verse 7, he speaks about a peace-filled mind. And then in verse 8 of chapter 4, a godly mind. And in, chapter, in verse 13 of chapter 4, a strengthened mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So maybe sometime soon you'd like to read the epistle to the Philippians a number of times and meditate on these states of mind because they will help you to run the race. But verse 15 in chapter 3. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if, anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. By the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example. Paul wants the Philippians to follow him as he is following Christ. Follow my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Therefore let us, together, as many as are mature. Well, none of us are fully mature, but we are going on to maturity. So the mindset that we need to have is the mindset that is going on to maturity. <coughs> Go on to maturity through revelation from God if Paul says if you think otherwise if in any way you think otherwise if your thinking isn't quite right well God will take care of that in chapter 2 Paul says God is at work in you work out your own salvation because it is God who is at work in you work out your salvation with fear and trembling just think about that for a moment. God is at work in you. It is God who is at work in you. The Almighty God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God who raised Christ from the dead. The God who has provided everything that we need for our salvation. He is at work in you. The God who created the universe. The great and the awesome God. The God who no one has ever seen, who dwells in unapproachable light. He is at work in you. No wonder Paul says... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is an awesome thing. This is a wonderful thing. This is an amazing thing. This is the greatest thing. That God is at work in you. Maybe God 
hasn't started to work in you yet. Maybe you're not aware that God is working in you. Well, today you can come to that realisation. God can begin his work in you if you will surrender to the power of his word and the power of his spirit and say yes to accepting God's work in your life. Paul says, follow my mature way of thinking and take note of those who follow us, who have us as an example. Yeah, it's it's so good to have godly people who are going on to maturity around you, to fellowship with them, to be friends with them. Take note of people like that and follow their example. Where does a mature mind begin? Well, it begins with what Paul calls in verse 3 of chapter 3, no confidence in the flesh. That, that sounds a bit theological. What it, what it means is that Paul has no confidence in anything of himself to attain to any right standing with God. No confidence at all. And that, that's where it all starts. When God starts to work in us, that's where it starts. Where we have the realisation that we can have no confidence at all in anything that we can do to have a right standing with God. Paul says, Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm also. I'm the top dog as far as having confidence in the flesh is concerned. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. The people of God, the children of Israel, who were called to be the nation of God, God said as part of the covenant, as the sign of the covenant and agreement that I have with you, you will circumcise your males on the eighth day, and they shall be mine. And this happened to Paul. He was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Paul was one of these people that would go into the temple or the synagogue and say something like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, that I fast, that I tithe, and as far as the law is concerned, I'm blameless. I'm not like other people. I'm not like the Gentile dogs. I'm not like the publicans and the sinners. I'm way above them. I thank you, God. And by the way, I thank you that I was born a man and not a woman. Because Jewish men 
considered that it was superior to be a man. (coughs) Concerning zeal, being zealous for God, being zealous for the law of God, being zealous for the law and the prophets, Paul was persecuting the church. These, These people who belong to this strange heretical sect who claim that Jesus is the Son of God. I persecute these people. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, in his view, in his eyes, in his estimation, blameless. So this was what gave Paul confidence before God. And at the end of the day, it is confidence before God that every one of us needs. If we don't have a right standing before God and confidence in that right standing, we have nothing. So Paul says, what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. You know, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus in in the time when he was persecuting the church. He was going to Damascus to bring back Christians to Jerusalem where they would be imprisoned or even killed. And on the way he met Jesus. And Paul was so overwhelmed by the light By the presence and by the voice of Jesus, he was flat on his face. And in within seconds, he was acknowledging Jesus as Lord. Who are you, Lord? And after that, there was a process. A fairly quick process, I think, with Paul, where he reassessed what was of value to him and in what he had confidence. And in that process, Paul says, all those things that were on the credit side of my righteousness account, we all have a righteousness account, we all have an account in our minds of things that we value that make us right. And in Paul's righteousness account, all these things that I've read about were on the credit side. But then after he met Jesus, he transferred them to the debit side. He said, they are of no value at all in making me righteous before God. And he only had one person or one, Jesus is not a thing, but on the credit side he put Jesus. Now that's the beginning of having a spiritually mature mind. You begin there, where Jesus is all your confidence 
and all your credit and all that is of value in your standing before God. Jesus and only Jesus. If you have anything else at all, from today, in your thinking and in your heart, put it on the lost side. Because as far as God is concerned, it is of no value, therefore it is of no value. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. But Paul goes further. He says, yet indeed, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. We have sung this morning in that wonderful song about, I lay my all before you now. What's that about? That's really saying, compared to knowing Jesus, nothing else is of any value. You say, that's very extreme. Well, this was what Paul said. For him, he had reached that mature state of mind where as far as he was concerned, nothing of this life, nothing of the material world was of any value compared to knowing Jesus. Now, I don't know whether any of us have reached that point because he says, I've actually suffered the loss of everything. I don't own anything. At this point, right into the Philippians, he's in prison. And he relies, even for his food, on that which friends and brothers and sisters in Christ bring to him. And he's been travelling around for years. What does Paul do? When he needs a new coat or new shoes. Well, he relies on the generosity of the churches to meet his needs. Because in chapter 4, he says that I've reached a point of maturity in my Christian walk, in my walk with Christ, where I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And what are the all things he's talking about? Well, he's talking about his possessions, the things that he has. He says, I I know how to have nothing and be really content. And I know how to have lots of things and be really content. But he actually possessed nothing. Because he had counted everything as loss. For the sake of Christ. And to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. Which is from the law. Well that was where Paul considered his righteousness came from. But you may. Or you may have in the past considered that your 
right to stand before God in some of your own righteousness came from something else. Maybe it was your attendance at Jubilee. Maybe it was your attendance at some other church. Maybe it was the time you spent in prayer or reading the scripture. Or maybe it was the good things that you do for other people. Well, there are lots and lots of people who are on the wrong track, who go to churches, who read a Bible, who pray, and who do good things for other people. The only thing that really puts you on the right track is when you've counted everything, all your righteousness, as rubbish, because that's what it is before God. And also, when you consider that you don't own anything, God gave it to you, God can take it away, but God has promised to supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, you've given to me, and I'm so glad about that because God credits that to your account. And he said, out of that account, God will supply your need. Not sure many of us or any of us have come to that place of maturity. But we're in a race. And we are to press on. And we are to go forward. And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ alone, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The only righteousness that God acknowledges and recognises is his own. Doesn't recognise any other source of righteousness because compared to his righteousness, it's filthy. One of the prophets said to Israel, he said, your righteousnesses, the things that you do right according to the law, compared to God's righteousness, they're filthy rags. So we, as far as right standing with God is concerned, we only have Christ and our faith and our trust in his work for us. But Paul goes on, there's more. He says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. If you are of the same mind as Paul, if you are intent on following his example, then you will want to know him. And what does that mean? It means knowing the power of his resurrection. You know, if God has started his work in you, then he has resurrected you. He has resurrected you from the death of sin, as he talks about in Ephesians chapter chapter 2. And you who were dead in sins, has he raised up in Christ? 
Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection initially raises us from the death of sin, raises us to being, from being dead to God to being alive to God. So we have life in us. Before that resurrection, we were dead. We were zombies. We were the walking dead. Because until someone is resurrected to know God and to have that vital contact and that life of God, they are dead. Dead in trespasses and in sins. When God raises us from the dead, he gives us as a free gift his righteousness. The righteousness that he acknowledges. His own righteousness. And Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection enables us to begin to walk in the righteousness that we're clothed in. The power of his resurrection enables us to walk in a practical way in our everyday lives in a way that is pleasing to God, it enables us to walk in the righteousness that we're clothed in. That's a perfect righteousness. And we are to press on. Now we're on the right track. We're on Jesus, the track of Jesus, the way. Jesus, our righteousness. We are to press on to live and walk in the righteousness that we're clothed in. And the power of his resurrection will enable us to do that. Paul says, there's more. I not only want to know him and the power of his resurrection, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Many of us don't want to go there. Many of us don't want to go there. Let's think, why did Jesus suffer? He suffered because he spoke the truth and he challenged the darkness. He suffered because he challenged the evil. Of his generation. (laughs) He suffered being rejected and despised. And ultimately he suffered the death of the cross. There may be lots of reasons. Why Jesus suffered in that way. And there were lots of reasons. (coughs) But in the purpose of God as we press on to know Christ. We fall short if we never know the fellowship of his sufferings. We fall short of knowing him. Well did Isaiah prophesy of Jesus that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It 
It wasn't easy for Jesus. It won't be easy for us. You think about the struggle that Jesus had in Gethsemane before he went to the cross. Father, if it's possible, although he knew it wasn't, but he still prayed, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, do you know it's the will of God that we suffer for Christ? Paul says this in chapter 1. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Paul is in prison. He is suffering. But he is knowing Christ to that level, that deeper level. The fellowship of his sufferings. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected but I press on. I run the race. I have a mindset that is steadfast. That is humble. That is unified with Christ. I have a mindset that is maturing to full maturity. I have a mindset that is peaceful in God. I have a mindset that is godly and he strengthens me. I do not count myself to have apprehended or to laid hold. But one thing I do... Forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know, this strength of mind, this steadfast mind. When you're in a long race, a marathon, it keeps you going. Yes, fitness counts. But ultimately what counts in the end is your strength of mind. That you keep going even when it's hurting. You keep going even when you're thinking, well, I wish I'd just given up at that last watering station. But Paul presses on and he says, have this mind. I press towards the goal. The end of the race. For the prize. I just want to finish with this in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he writes to Timothy from prison. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've suffered in fellowship with Christ. I have finished the race. I'm about to reach the end. I'm about to reach my goal. I have kept the faith. I've stuck with the gospel. I persevered with this gospel, even though 
it has brought so much suffering into my life, even though it has meant that I've ended up in prison. I've remained steadfast and true to the gospel. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The prize. This is the prize. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day when he comes. That's all Paul wanted, really. Was the crown of righteousness that is in Christ. And for that, he suffered the loss of everything. For that, he counted everything but loss. For that, he pressed on. Knowing the power of the resurrection. To cause him to walk in the righteousness that he was clothed in. And so he went on to suffer in fellowship with Christ. Paul says, let us have a mature mind. Let's go on to maturity in these things. And if you haven't started that walk yet, well, it doesn't sound very appealing, does it? Suffering. But the Bible doesn't, doesn't at all hide the fact that in following Christ, there's going to be suffering. But, Paul says, for Christ, for the surpassing knowledge, for the supreme knowledge of knowing him and being in fellowship with him, well, all these other things, they're lost. They're of no value at all. And if we have that mind, then we will go on to maturity in the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.